Welcome back to The Underdogs, a podcast dedicated to covering the twists, turns, laughs, and tears of the Emmy Award-winning Apple TV series, Ted Lasso. Just a quick reminder of who we are. We're all hosts of a podcast about Chelsea Football Club called the London is Blue Podcast. Go, go subscribe if you want to. Uh, we've been covering Chelsea, the Premier League, the Champions League, and everything in between for over eight years. So we uh, we kind of know what we're, uh, what we're talking about in the world of football. Well, and we're excited to be reviewing every episode of Breaking Down the Obvious and Not and the more inauspicious elements of the show. And look, there's there's plenty that you might not know as a fan or individual about the sport of football that we'll uh, try to help you out with along the way. So in every episode, we do a brief episode overview. We follow it up with a three-word episode review. Then we analyze what happened on the pitch, off the pitch, and then the main theme of the episode. Lastly, we hit it up with a little bit of pub trivia and finally crown a winner-winner football dinner of the episode. It's that easy. So in today's episode, we are going to be covering season one, episode two, the aptly named an Easter egg filled biscuits. So as I just promised, we are going to be doing our three word episode review. And Dan, yours is lion or panda. <laughs> it's a key question that you have to answer. And uh, only if you answer it, can you truly understand yourself? That's what I've learned from this episode. What, hmm. What's black and white and red all over, Dan? Hmm? Spoiler. Spoiler. <laughs> I went with respect is earned. I think a lot of people are making a lot of deposits and trying to uh, find their lane in the show, which is interesting. And then, Nick, you had... Starting from scratch, which is a baking reference. Wink. No. You didn't need to say that. Come on. You didn't need to say it. People would have gotten it. Sure. I'm positive. Well, let, kicking it off, we are going to start on the pitch, a.k.a. the football stuff. So on the pitch, it really amped up after a very subdued episode one, at least from a footballing perspective anyway. The first scene on the pitch is at training, and it's a telling one. Ted and Beard are watching training, and Ted's hands begin to shake. Beard looks at him in a concerned manner before Ted puts his hands in his pockets and tries to refocus. The back and forth, Nick... Um, quite funny, quite hilarious. Maybe Dan and you want to to take this one up and reenact. Sure, I'll I'll be Beard. Dan, you can be Ted. How about that? Cool. Uh, sure. Beard, Beard says, "Remember what you said to me on our first day of coaching at Wichita State." Lose a ponytail. That's hilarious because Dan has one right now. Beard, relax. They're just kids. Well, these fellas sure as heck ain't kids. Look at Isaac. He looks like a rundown sculpture in cleats. That would be Rodan for, for all those at Rodan. home. For those cultured people at home. Yeah. Uh, clearly, the first day jitters are in effect, not only for Ted, but Beard as well. Um, and then in training, start to get a little bit of an insight of things we probably already knew, but Jamie gets the better of Sam and Ted gives Sam some important advice because uh, when, when Jamie does he up, he, he lets you know. And he reminds you that he's the greatest. Uh, and, and they know, you know, that, that Sam's been having a tough time of it. And, you know, might, might be feeling a little homesick, you know, away from home for the first time. And so Ted uh, gives what is one of the most famous uh, speeches in all of Ted Lasso in episode two. And he says, uh, do you know what the happiest animal on earth is? It's a goldfish. Do you know why? No. It has 10 second memory. Be a goldfish, Sam. You got it. Actually, not accurate, but the, the, it's it's a, a fun idea. Uh -oh. Controversial take from Dan Dormer. The inaccuracy of Ted Lasso. Please expand. 
It all stems from goldfish, which is a shocking revelation. Um, but we don't need to go there, Dan. Come on now. Let's just let's just stick to the script here. Um, is any good coach does, you got to motivate your players. Whether or not it's accurate in the moment is kind of irrelevant. If the message works, if the metaphor works, if the tool works, Dan, you apply it. And Sam needed to pick me up, and Coach Lasso is trying to do that for him. Really looking forward to how he's going to uh, talk around the rules of gravity at some point in the future. Well, uh, <laughs> it, it was only after speaking with Nate that we learned that Sam hasn't been the same since arriving at Richmond. He came from the Nigerian League. Uh, he's clearly homesick, not playing as well as you know, he was when he was so hotly uh, scouted by them and, and purchased to come play for them. And so they concoct a plan to, uh, and I quote, Nigeria him up, end quote. <laughs> I mean, it's just nonstop at the beginning. In season one, Nick, it, it, these references and these things he yes. says are just... You got to watch it multiple times to catch all of them. But we find out that Ted has a secret plan to cheer up Sam. Uh, and that is with a surprise birthday party. Uh, he has uh, Nate make a uh, another box. We'll get to, to why the first one was made uh, to collect money to buy Sam a bunch of gifts and stuff. It's hilarious to me because Venmo exists at this time. But this is just like a team bonding activity. So we'll, we'll uh, you know, just be OK with that. Uh while most in the locker room cooperate, Dan, there's always one. And that one is Jamie Tart, who decides to just throw gum in the box to, quote unquote, make the money smell nice. Spearmint. Is that, is that a game, though? It's a little hazing, right? No, it's not, not super serious. Just He's just the, having a laugh. He's having some fun. You know how money traditionally smells terrible. So he did a good yeah, job there. Yeah, awful. It's always dirty. It, it's also an example of Lasso, to your point, Nick, not understanding these guys whatsoever at all. You know, he, he's trying to connect to them. So, A, he, he puts Nate out there to be ridiculed for making a crafts box. Uh, it's all decorated and designed. These guys have Venmo, you know, uh, that instead we're just putting money in, you know, to, to kind of buy a gift. It's it, It's not really what professional athletes are used to doing and things like that. And and a lot of them do it begrudgingly yet. They do it. So again, I, I see the effort that he's trying to turn around the locker room and kind of make some connections. Obviously he sees an opportunity to up Sam and, and get him better. You know, obviously the better players you have, the, the easier things are, but definitely one of those cringy things. I'm like sitting back thinking my locker room days and I would have been like, I probably would have reacted like Jamie Tart a little bit, but I'm like, what are we doing here? Like we're, we're putting money in the mouth of a monster, a box monster. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but look, the, the party, the party was awesome. Like they had a really good celebration, uh, right before the game against crystal palace. Uh, you can tell, uh, through the acting of to Jimo that he is visic visibly like lifted by this experience, visibly lifted. That is, teammates would do something for him and that they got him his favorite like snack from back home as like a, a way to kind of bridge the gap between uh, the homesickness Dan and there was a, a quite funny little trope uh, between him and Ted that I would like you to uh, to recount for us if you will well it's just the whole aspect of the little green army men that uh, you know people may have played with in their or youth at least the American uh, you know individuals may have at some point but uh, you know he gives one to Sam and uh, he indicates that I don't really necessarily know if I should keep this I don't have the same fondness for the American military <laughs> that you do and uh, he, he says you know because of imperialism 
Duh. <laughs> so, you know, it's a good reminder that uh, the well-intentioned gif might uh, not be culturally appropriate or carry the same, you know, same affinity or, you know, feeling around it. He, it, it was funny, again, just like the timing of the back and forth. And and again, Ted just trying to connect to them. You know, he pulled out his care package from his son, wanted to share it with them. Uh, but good up on Sam for like having the confidence because he lacks a lot of it, right? To just be like, you know what? I don't really want this. And, and let me remind you why. <laughs> you don't have the same experience as I have. Uh, but again, timing interesting before the game. Um, okay. Like, sure, maybe to lift a few people or maybe you do it to lift him and then you start him, right? And then he goes out flying. But uh, definitely an interesting time for, I think, a celebration when usually players are kind of like locked in and, and thinking about the game, going over their, their strategies and tactics they want to do. But uh, here we go with another Tedism, you know, taking his swing and, and, and doing it the unconventional way, quite obviously. Yeah. And, and it's again, we'll get to this in kind of the main theme of the episode, but it's just building bridges to people, right? They don't always respond positively when Ted tries to do it, but the the matter, the fact of the matter is that he's doing it, right? He's the one that's reaching out and being proactive and trying to learn as much about his team and the the folks who work around AFC Richmond as possible and it's a leadership quality. Um someone has to start that change and Ted is trying maybe unsuccessfully. Yeah. Uh, so then we finally, after almost two full episodes into the season, get a match. That is right. We finally get to see the team play. Arlo White sets the stage on commentary. The crowd in the stadium and in the pub all <laughs> yell wanker at Ted. Uh, we find out that the team loses 4-1 to Crystal Palace and the lasso airs off to an inauspicious start. I mean, it, it was good to see a little bit of it. It was funny, you know, seeing the the pub and the, the the stadium crowd, because that, that is how it is, right? Especially yeah. if you're in a way match, uh, your team's not in town, you're going to go to the pub with a lot of the mates and, and hang out there. So, yeah, I think that, again, like as far as actually a footballing culture, like this was great and spot on and, and, and fun to see it set up that way. Yeah, Dan, uh, this, uh, this episode, I remember watching this for the first time, curious about whether they were going to get all the footballing fan culture stuff right in this show and this this episode i was like oh they have this thing locked in uh they they know what the pubs are like they know how ruthless uh supporters can be of change and the fact that they they were playing a home match and their own fans were going after him it was just i was like this is perfect and the only thing that that maybe the the, the language would be a little bit more extreme at a 4-1 <laughs> results it's oh, yeah. probably the only thing that is uh, less than uh, entirely accurate, but they at least have set the ambiance in the stage appropriately. Because if you can't go to a game and remember, this is a, a London derby, right? So it means that they are both teams from London. They're playing another team. London is massive. The amount of teams in the Premier League who play in London, who are also then in the championship or League One, who play in and around the London area, is a ton. It is massive. In the Premier League alone, there's anywhere between four to seven, depending upon the season of who comes up and who comes down, are actually playing in the greater London area. And that's not counting also the teams that are like just outside of London, like Watford, uh, that occasionally are in the Premier League, the yeah, yo-yo a little bit. And so, yeah, definitely got that element of it right, that derbies are fun. They put put you in a, a bit of a hothead mood if you have a bad loss and 
yeah, I think it gave us then a, a good scene, Brandon, after the match because there was a lot to get into there as well. It, it was for sure. Um, and I think that, um, you know, it we're what episode two in, right? So now things are starting to come together, right? Called the underdogs for a reason. Uh, you know, we get, we get an idea of them playing at the racetrack. Uh, we get, or I'm sorry, the, the dog track. Of course, yep. I'd mess that up. Um, you know, Nelson Road Stadium, Richmond, all these things. What I also love about, just to, to recap the one, is uh, they did bring in Arlo White for this. So just connecting coverage dots as well. Uh, it, was, it was good to hear a familiar voice. Uh, for those of you that watch the Premier League, obviously he's no longer with the Premier League as it stands right now. Um, but for a time when this was live in front out, um, it's good just to have that. I think familiar voice kind of like across those two um, yeah. chasms it, it, for, for the it, listener watcher. It, it made um, a, connect, a direct connection to what a lot of Premier League supporters see on a week to week basis and made like suspending disbelief a little bit easier. Right. Because you're seeing a familiar face and you're you're. You know, you get the the dulcet tones of the former NBC lead uh, commentator in Ted Lasso. So it makes it, you know, kind of connect those dots a little bit. It was great. And so, yeah, we called ourselves the underdogs because of the way that they're, you know, they're Greyhounds, teams underdogs. You get it. Yeah. Uh, after the match, Ted tried to give Jamie some positive reinforcement, hoped that it would work towards, you know, getting Jamie to buy in for the team and not just playing for himself. Uh, Roy finds that the showers are working again, showing him that Lasso lives up to his promises, uh, which is funny. And then again, uh, the team celebrates Sam's birthday, but Jamie's off doing his own thing. It, you know, right at the end, we just kind of get like, like rapid fire, kind of like it's insights, Dan and in, in tidbits into, you know, different things and how they're all working. Roy's a simple guy. Jamie is unbelievably selfish and Higgins loves himself some cake. I mean, character development. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's good to learn a little bit about how they react afterwards. Everybody's different after a loss. And so this gives us some understanding of that, you know, the the loss affects people in in different ways. You know, some of those people who are just along for the ride and maybe don't necessarily care if the team wins or loses because they collect a paycheck or those who maybe feel it more uh, more deeply. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we're going to take a quick ad break. When we get back, we're going to flip to off the pitch, aka the workplace stuff. So, thank you to the sponsors for financially supporting the show. We'll be right back. All right. So, the episode starts off with Ted pouring his breakfast cereal, only to find out that he is still <laughs> acclimating to life in London. That's right. He ate one piece of cereal for breakfast, <laughs> as he told the coach Beard. Uh, after a quick coffee with said Coach Beard. Uh, Coach takes in the local busker scene. This has future implications. Hint, hint, wink, wink. And sees a group of school kids playing football in the park. One of these kids becomes a recurring bit of comic relief in the show. So, I mean, again, like uh, Ted's trying to figure it out, still adapting. Again, the the layers that go into this show, Nick, that, uh, you know, kind of through lines that pop up in in and out for the the rest of the season, we're starting to... um, get to know, I guess, some of the supporting cast. Yeah, and it's it's also cool to kind of see the environment outside of the football ground too, right? Like each, you know, because we've all been to London multiple times, uh, God, probably approaching 10 or 11 now, <laughs> um, we, we understand that each individual part of London kind of has its own flavor, has its own kind of traditions. And so uh, it's, it's nice to kind of get out and see what the world looks like outside of their like 
locker room area, which would be super boring to see that all the time. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we got to get little kind of future nuggets in this episode. Then it's biscuits time, Dan. Ted Lasso interrupts Rebecca's self-loathing. Um, I'm sorry, interrupts her self-loathing <laughs> about Rupert to introduce biscuits with the boss Ted crashing the pity party and not accepting anything other than acquiescence from the boss. Uh, it's a fun thing that we'll start to, I imagine, see a little bit more of as the persistent nature of Ted Lasso is it reintroduced multiple times this episode and how his positivity is his number one weapon against uh, everyone in this show to win them over and look you know you get a box of uh, some delicious baked goods you're gonna you're gonna dig in that's what's gonna happen nick and uh, look rebecca even in that maybe that self-loathing moment and that desire to not really buy in you know accepts them uh and uh enjoys them yeah she says fuck me where did you get these <laughs> her reaction uh, was which, strong yeah, yeah it was a it was a, it was a real positive. positive if she was on great british baking show she would have received the hollywood or ted would have received the hollywood handshake that's that's kind of how that would have gone uh but yeah i mean this is ted again doing what he knows how to do right which is reach out to people figure out what they're about and figure out how to make them do what he as a coach wants them to do it's an incredible skill to have and the fact that he's being proactive and being nice and then you know of course framing biscuits with the boss as like the the really playful terminology for just trying to get to know this person is uh just utterly fantastic there's also a nice little line in here where he says or as y'all call them biscuits right though i do not recommend you smother these in gravy it's it's just another little like witticism of the show that once you watch it a couple of times, you're like, damn, the writing is just fantastic in the show. Yeah. Well, and for those who don't know, it, it is a shortbread cookie would be the yes. way to think about it. In if America, you're a U.S. Uh, U.S. mindset. But uh, they, yes, they're biscuits uh, overseas. So biscuits with the boss was born. Uh, and then after Ted leaves, Rebecca complains to Higgins about Ted's effort to get to know her. She wants to figure out a way to undermine him. But as Higgins does not know who the most swayful, powerful, influential player in the locker room is, she assigns him to find out where Ted got the biscuits that she now craves. Higgins is a true detective with this quote. <laughs> Watch out, biscuits. Higgins is on the case. End quote. <laughs> this, this is where we start to see Higgins' personality shine through, too. Like, he is such a great foil and compliment to Rebecca as like the football management structure that exists at Richmond. And the fact that he's just kind of an aloof, generally go with the flow, not wanting to disappoint her kind of a guy is so different to her, like extremely type a direct, pretty sour personality. And uh, he is great comic relief throughout the show. Yeah, most, most definitely. Um, after holding the door for an inordinate amount of time for Rebecca, <laughs> Ted gets sidetracked uh, by Keely with the line versus panda debate, Dan's three-word episode review. Uh, Rebecca tries not to care but gets involved in the debate. This is a key moment as she sees how well Ted and Keely interact, which helps her plot phase two of the diabolical scheme. After training, Ted brings the locker room together and try to improve communication and morale. 
and so again, I guess like more of the scene, you know, kind of like with the main players that, you know, we've already come to know already, Nick, trying to, you know, say, I guess kind of trying to like relate and unfold like his vision and in, in where he sees the, the, the team going. Yeah, they're like getting through the game plan, right? And then he's it kind of ends the the episode by saying, "We want to start fiddling with the way that we do things in the locker room," which is like a direct call out to him trying to build a, a culture, right? Uh, he says that if the internet has taught us anything, it's that sometimes it's easier to speak our minds anonymously, right? So I asked Nate here to make a, a good old fashioned suggestion box, right? So anyone could feel comfortable to bring in little notes or nuggets or whatever, and. Then, of course, he gets confronted by Roy, right, which is we're middle of the table. We've lost three of four. And you want to know if the snacks in the locker room are tasty enough. And then Ted asks him, are they? And he says, Jesus Christ, and walks away. And then Jamie comes in with the they are not like very dry British humor sort of moment, Dan. But this is a pretty significant deal because he knows this is going to be a hard job. Right, this is not going to be easy. He doesn't know shit about the sport. He doesn't know anything about these players or personalities, and he's just trying to reach out and see what'll make him tick. And it's the uh, try as much as you can, see what sticks type of scenario. He's, but I think what you're also seeing is that Ted's willing to go back again. He's almost like the uh, inflatable uh, weighted uh, <laughs> clowns that you would have where you would hit it and then it would pop back up and it would pop back up and it would pop back up. And so as much as this group of individuals right now, because they're not a team, they're a group of individuals, mm -hmm. is punching back and flailing back against Ted's attempt, whether it be Rebecca or Jamie or Roy, at what he's trying to do and what he's trying to build, he's just popping back up with a smile. And he's popping back up again after you try to push him back down, Brandon. And so ultimately... It's the wear them down with kindness type of game that uh, Ted is playing, which is a little longer, doesn't get the immediate result, but uh, seemingly he's laying the foundation. So while at the pub after that, Ted and Beard go through some very specific and only partially <laughs> anonymous feedback from the suggestion box. Uh, he goes, let's see what we got here. Wanker. Let's see what else we got here. Piss off, wanker. I hope you choke on a Big Mac. Good thing these are anonymous, said Coach Beard. And Ted goes, nope, Roy signed that one. <laughs> Roy. <laughs> um, and then, you know, he said shower pressure is rubbish, which, again, we go back and say, you know, Roy was thrilled that it was fixed uh, and that he would say some of that stuff. You know, he, he will act if they give him mm -hmm. something, right? And that was probably the only one that we got with some actionable you know, suggestions, Nick. Uh, but again, it just shows that the team are not taking this serious and that they don't respect him. Uh, it's all he's looking for is one person to reach out and, and take the bait. Right. And so someone took the bait. They talked about the shower pressure. So he fixed it immediately. Right. We get that at the end where uh, Colin just gets blown away, like blown away by the, the new shower pressure that's in the locker room. And Roy's like seemingly very uh, happy about this. But we also get to meet one of the institutions of Ted Lasso in, in these moments. And that's May, the, the old bartender, who is uh, kind of like a sage wise character throughout who kind of gives you the fan perspective in a way that connects directly with you, the watcher. And she says, you don't want to let them call you a waker, Ted. It's bad. Ted then asks her, what is a wanker? 
And then she does the incredibly popular motion for that. <laughs> and he's like, I'm a visual learner, so that's very helpful. She, She's now seeing these guys, Dan, coming into the pub, uh, the pub all the time. And she's getting to know them a little bit. And she's trying, I think she, her, her motive uh, giving them a chance is, is really kind of shining through here by giving them little tips and tricks. Well, you always need that individual who your first, second, third time over is helping you acclimatize yourself to oh, yeah. the idiosyncrasies of the UK uh, or uh, European footballing experience or global footballing experience, particularly if you came from Division II um, you know, college football in the U.S. There's a, definitely a learning curve between the two. And, uh, you know, you, you get more called an asshole than you do uh, a wanker. So uh, it's helpful to understand uh, the lexicon, as it were. So the next day, after Ted gets spun around like a Tasmanian devil by one of the soccer-playing school kids on his way to work, uh, he continues to attempt to bond with Rebecca by bringing more biscuits and some pretty nice dance moves. After another fun, eventful press conference, uh, Ted asks Rebecca how she's doing. It's a real human moment and, and a chance where Ted gets to share his care package from home. Um, Nick, you live in Kansas City. Sudeikis mm. is from Kansas City, the actor of Ted Lasso. He does not skip a moment to reference home. No, it's it's brilliant. I mean, this is like a really... Like it was, it was fan service to me as a person. Like that's what that was. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he pulls out, you know, his kid had sent him this, this care package had army men in it. That's obviously how Sam got one. It has a homemade kazoo. And then he talks about Kansas city barbecue sauce. So he says, this is the, one of the best, uh, barbecue sauces in Kansas city, which means it's one of the best barbecue sauces in the world. And it's, it's right after Rebecca gets grilled by one of the, uh, the tabloid journos, the son, the son um, about her, the latest Rupert cheating scandal. Right. And the way that they shot that Dan was beautiful because she gets the like full blown cameras flashing kind of like pause the moment sort of vibe. And it really focuses in on her and her anxiety about this and her anger frankly about all the cheating and so it was a really nice uh building bridge type of moment between ted and rebecca yeah it was uh you know plenty of these moments too that uh we'll kind of get a chance to see how they connect to one another on a human level um considering that uh you know there are these concerns uh that rebecca's having to deal with because she is not she also has off the pitch problems. Uh, you know, we've kind of had allusions to the problems that maybe Ted is going through. You know, why do you move across uh, the across the world with a kid at home and uh, potentially get started on taking over a coaching job for a sport you've never done before? And uh, we're getting a chance to see that everybody is dealing with their own demons, as it were. Yeah, uh, it, it's definitely. Uh, personal insights, which is good, especially in the beginning. Again, character development, which is important. Unfortunately, Rebecca takes this opportunity to continue her scheme by telling Ted that the way to get through to Jamie is to talk to Keeley. She, there, I guess this allows a paparazzi photographer to take some not that compromising photos that could be used to inflict chaos to the Richmond squad and sink the team into relegation. Uh, and, and again, he's 
just trying to find a way to unlock the team's best player. He doesn't know that Rebecca wants to dismantle the thing that Rupert loves. And so it, it actually comes back to like a very wholesome interaction with Ted, which is obviously a recurring theme. Asking Keely, you know, met her on set. She opted for the lion. They may, had a good <laughs> laugh at the panda, which was a bit more sad looking. And he just says, I want to ask you about Jamie. What motivates him? An iconic response, Dan. I mean, Ke- I- yeah, Keely straight away just is amazing in this episode. Blowjobs. That's what motivates Jamie, which is, you know, it's super funny and like very on brand for her. And then Ted goes, is there a second option? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just so good. And it's funny because she goes, uh, he actually responds well to positive reinforcement. And Ted's, Ted says, that's my wheelhouse. And uh, they go on by, um, you know, eating the food. She gets the ketchup on her face, Dan. You know, Ted, because she's all make up, make up and in costume and stuff for the photo shoot. So he's helping. And that's when the photographer gets the salacious photos. Yeah, I, I don't know how uh, <laughs> how wild these photos are for a tabloid uh, usage. But, uh, you know, uh, I guess job done checkmark ish, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know, not, not as uh, scandalous as uh, you'd be if you're trying to fully destabilize the situation, I think. All right. Well, we wrap episode two by meeting Shannon, the neighborhood girl and having a nice moment while Rebecca sends the photos of Ted and Keeley to the press. We also learn that Ted is making the biscuits at home for Rebecca. A nice conclusion to the episode. Sorry, Higgins, you're not gonna find them. You're not going to crack the case on this one, Higgins. Uh, But yeah, I love the juxtaposition at the end of this episode. Ted has been nothing but uh, positive and trying to connect with people all episode. And then Rebecca takes that like very human moment that they had at the end of the episode, right after she had been grilled by the press and then does the exact thing that she was going to do anyway, which is undercut him and try and make his life miserable. Uh, That does have an interesting conclusion in the next episode, but no. No spoilers here. We're uh, we're all about that. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to take a quick ad break. When we get back, we're finally going to hit the main theme and the current Anchor Pub trivia. So again, thinking of the sponsors, and we'll be right back. All right. So the main theme of this one was building a culture. Uh, we kind of talked about it a little bit in the beginning, but it's clear that, you know, Ted is trying to do what he does best, build a culture of success. His methods are foreign, but his mission is clear. Richmond need to build a team, not a collection of individuals. He kills them with kindness, even though he doesn't receive much in return. Uh, kicks it off with Nate, Nick. Yeah, Nate, this this piss-on uh, groundsman slash kitman slash just kind of gopher. No one, he's been bullied by the team for a long time. He, no one knows his name. He doesn't have any confidence. But you could see immediately, Dan, that Ted starts to build him up. He remembers his name. He asks him for advice. He wants to genuinely get to know him. And Nate's like taken aback by first at first, but then really gets involved in the uh, in the actual, you know, box creation and stuff like that. And it you start to see the wheels turn just a little bit. See the baby steps taking place. Yeah, the guy who has zero to negative confidence. You know, you got him back <laughs> to to ground level here, and then let's kind of. You know, now that we actually can start to build a foundation because we're out of the the sewers here, let's try to get up and figure out how we build confidence in this individual. And then he 
did the bridge building Rebecca as well with the biscuits, right? You know, he ultimately finds a way to get 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 her to at least acknowledge that there there's something worth talking about there, even if it's just a a little bit of a a snack based conversation. My my favorite part of that whole interaction was when she was like talking shit about Ted to Higgins in the hallway. She's like, "Can you believe?" everything that's going on they're watching the video of him doing the lasso dance with his players she's like it's clear that his players love him but can you believe that he's trying to give me biscuits and trying to talk about things like it's ridiculous then higgins goes unbelievable like very british dry humor uh and again the fact that they're starting to talk about it just a little bit of of uh character there he also reaches out to the team in this episode to get suggestions about how to make shit better like he wants to, Brandon, build a culture of openness and transparency and uh, love amongst uh, guys who are clearly very self-absorbed. And that's just one way that he's trying to get to do that. Yeah, it's going to be tough with this group, which is what we were kind of mm-hmm. saying earlier, you know, with uh, some of his things. But we'll see. You know, it's a long season. He's got, you know, some months to to try to connect with this group um, and, and, and find ways to do it. But again, he has to do it with the playing side. He has to do it, you know, with Rebecca and, and Higgins and kind of the operating side of it as well. There's just, you know, a, a lot of different parts of the web inside this, mm-hmm. this, this club that he has to connect in. I mean, um, it's only episode two, right? But he definitely threw a bunch of new webs out there without a doubt. Definitely plenty to kind of go back into in terms of what are the what are the connections, what are the relationships going to be that uh, you know bring all of this together, right? Like you talk about building a culture, culture happens not overnight, not immediately. It happens brick by brick, day by day. And you saw again the the, the breadcrumbs or the biscuit crumbs, uh, Nick, <laughs> that will eventually assemble into uh, the full cookie. Yeah, the the two that really got me was he intentionally is getting under Roy's skin because he wants Roy to care, right? So that's a different tactic than what he's doing with Jamie, where he's trying to, he, he's like Keely said, give him positive reinforcement, build him up, be maybe a, a uh, an adult in the room with him and try and make him into a, a better guy. Whereas Roy is angry, but a little apathetic. And so you got to, you got to treat that situation a little bit differently, but this is just what he does. Like this is where he's been everywhere. And in the next episode, we'll get a little bit of insight as to, as to why, when he uh, has a great day out with Trent Krim of the independent, but uh, of all of the skills that Ted has in his locker, Brandon, uh, building a winning culture is first and foremost. It's why uh, you start to see him do little person uh, personality based things before they're even really on the pitch. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, all right, uh, should we hit the trivia? Let's do let's do the trivia. The Crown and Anchor Pub Trivia, a pub in the show and trivia in real life. Uh, there there are five questions here. So why don't you hit us up and let us know if you know the answer to these questions. Uh, which direction does Ted need to learn how to look when crossing the road in the UK? This is a tricky one uh, because they uh, tend to drive on the other side of the road. So uh, figure that one out. And then what is the uh, Nigerian snack that Sam ate all the time as a kid uh, that he got in his care package uh, after after his birthday? I would love to know the answer to that. I would also love to know the answer of uh, why Ted calls one of the team's training drills the exorcist 
very cute play on words if you're a soccer fan there. Uh, one from earlier, <laughs> which uh, you should have a pretty good cue into now that we've talked about this multiple times. What's white, black, and red all over? A line from Rebecca in the show that's just a peach. And then finally, what was Rebecca's first concert, best concert? Ted trying to get to know her. She dropped the one-liner. Same, same band. Boom. There it is. The challenge Boom. has been thrown. Hit us up. Like I said, respond uh, on social uh, at pod underdogs. Uh, any surprises in the episode I put, I'm here for the bands. Again, just the wittiness of the conversation, like the little throwaway stuff um, that just happens throughout the the show. I really find great. I think one time Ted in this episode goes, he, he asked Nate for something and Nate goes, who me? And he goes, Let's just assume from here on out until there's another Nate that I'm talking to you. <laughs> you're, my, you're my default yeah, Nate. Yeah, you're my Nate by default. So, uh, I, again, I'm just really enjoying a lot of that. Not necessarily a surprise, but it's like you re- you can't be on your phone and watch this. Like, you're going to miss yeah. a lot, I promise you. Yeah, mine, uh, If because if you know anything about the British press, this was a just like they get it moment. The writers get it. The Sun is, like, notoriously hated. It's just a, a gossip rag, essentially, by everyone in England. And so when the journalist in the, in the press conference gets up from The Sun, he gets, like, booed, <laughs> which is just, like, there were, like, groans and boos. And I was like, oh, man, they just absolutely nailed that. That was so good. And the one that I would go with, yeah, is that, uh, look, they they so they clearly have been a Premier League side for at least a season before this, right? So they weren't mm. a recently promoted side which means that your standards of the environment would actually probably be pretty high, you know, even if Rebecca gutted a fair bit of staff. So the water pressure being off, they, they wouldn't have, that wouldn't have been a problem. <laughs> that, that would have been resolved really, really quick. That's a surprise. Suspend disbelief, Dan. Jeez. All right. Look, I'm sorry. Well, it's time to crown the winner of the episode. That's right. Winner, winner, football dinner, and a clean sweep. It was Ted. I mean, he was everywhere in the episode. Uh, he was in more scenes than he was not in, I'd expect. So, um, yeah, I just think because of everything we talked about revolved around him, it, it makes sense that um, he would have won the episode. 100%. Yeah, this, this is one where uh, maybe the evil of episode one is is beaten back a little bit by the goodness of episode two. And that will exchange hands quite a bit <laughs> throughout this uh, throughout this first season. Yeah. Uh, anything you want to add about Ted's winningness, Dan? No, quality job. Yeah, yeah. Put in the one. put in the effort, put in the work. So, running tally. In case you forgot, Rebecca won episode one. Ted won episode two. So, a two way tie at the leaderboard. Uh, we'll have to see. You know, maybe a supporting character wins an episode later on in the season. It might be a bit of a surprise. I am interested hmm. to see how many names are even on the leaderboard because obviously we're not going to add anyone until uh, they get points. So that's it for this episode of The Underdogs. Please connect with us at Pod Underdogs on social media to continue the chat there. And if you'd be so kind as to take 15 seconds to leave us a five-star rating and review, that would mean the world to us. We'll see you on the next episode.